You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by the Breeders' Cup. Good morning. Welcome to the show. It's Friday the 2nd of December. Thanks for tuning in once again. I come to you from the press room balcony at Sandown Park Racecourse. It is genuinely cold, and I think I say that for the first time this winter as we launch ourselves headlong into one of, I think, my favourite, a lot of people's favourite weekends of the year, the Betfair Tingle Creek weekend. Lee Mottershead is alongside me. It's the first time, Lee, that you really get a sort of festive sense uh, when, you, when you go to the racecourse, and um, it's the first time this winter that it's been genuinely freezing cold yeah i mean i'm i'm a northerner nick so i'm clearly built of strong stuff but um even with many layers on, i would still say it's bitter out today it's cold and it is festive as you drive into sandown racecourse where people saying christmas trees on the right hand side in the main betting hall there are cardboard baubles hanging off the ceiling and it doesn't make you feel festive nothing will yeah there there is also i noticed with this a an ironic rather grim smile that there was a sign because the, the, the car park is used for many things on a daily basis here at Sandown Park Racecourse and there was a sign clearly for regular users of said car park that said um, many apologies there is racing on today <laughs> it's just a slightly <laughs> unfortunately phrased yes I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that the first time a member of the Jockey Club comms team drives <laughs> through that entrance today there will be a rapid rapid removal of that sign later on in this program you're going to be hearing from the new general manager at sandown park race course sarah drabwell who is very enthusiastic and has got lots of ideas uh, for this uh, track particularly about reaching out into the into the local community about which she has some quite interesting observations but let's talk about tomorrow and the betfair tingle creek chase itself the return of shishkin after a strange bone ailment that was apparently the cause of his listless weird listless performance in the queen mother champion chase and against one of the horses becoming one of the great sandown specialists the three times grade one winner here grenatine plus last year's arkle winner edward stone a fascinating challenger from ireland in gentleman demi how do you see this going lee and are we overcomplicating it does the best horse just win well, yes. I mean, I think you, you, you can argue that you're overcomplicating or that we're overcomplicating it. But um, there is this serious question mark hanging over Shishkin. Um, as you say, you described that run at Cheltenham as, as listless in the champion chase. It was absolutely that. Nicky Henderson has subsequently said that he knew going to the first fence that there was a problem. Nico de Boinville said the same. The horse was never, ever travelling. Um, when Nicky uh, took part in a Jockey Club organised media conference yesterday, I, wasn't, I didn't sit in on that, but I read the quotes. And even yesterday, he referred to that bone issue as a mega problem. Mm. Not, not a tiny, tiddly little thing, a mega problem. Um, a very rare problem too. Nicky said at the time he had never come across it before, but at the same time he was dealing with it. So Mark Prescott wrote to him and explained that he had also experienced that problem with a horse as well. So it's not completely 
unprecedented. But it does leave a question mark hanging over um, Shishkin. He is the best horse in the race. He's never actually been around Sandown before. No, which which is a top, surprise, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, for a top two-mile chaser, it is a surprise because if you rewind back the clock 12 months, we had that big hoo-ha over Shishkin not running in the, the Tingle Creek. On that occasion, Nicky made the point they just didn't think the horse was, was ready for it. He'd said a few weeks ago that the horse is by no means guaranteed to get here today but yesterday he sounded very bullish very upbeat about running he stressed the horse was over that problem had schooled incredibly well and we shouldn't forget that prior to the champion chase Shishkin although not being heralded as the 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 second coming like Constitution Hill he was held in the very highest regard. He was a winning. He was also just kept, yeah. yeah. He was a winning. And he was kicked Grenatine into touch at Kempton, like he was a complete second racer. Yeah, I mean, going into that race, there was really no no questions over the fact that if Shishkin was at his best, he would win, and he dotted up. I think we then had that race for the ages at at, um, at Ascot in the in the Clarence House chase, that huge battle between Shishkin and Anergamen. Now I noted my, my colleague Paul Keeley writing in the weekender um, this week saying that you actually look back at that race and you can question whether Shishkin was actually that impressive through all of that contest. He was niggled along a long way out by Nico and it was only from the final fence that he overhauled um, he overhauled Anergam and that led Paul to question whether this is actually going to be the track for Shishkin but I, I think he is a fascinating horse he's still four to one for the champion chase if he wins this race easily tomorrow he'll, mm. he'll be a, a red hot favorite for the champion chase again but it is a really good tingle creek I, I think you know that the, there's layers of complexity in, into this contest you've got as you say grenatine a three-time grade one winner here at sandown paul nichols talking about this as his home game the race that really he is set up to win he's won the celebration chase before he's won the tingle creek before and you got edward stone who aside from his his defeat at taintree when he was quite clear i think over the top for the season he was magnificent as a novice chaser again i think alan king will, will want to make sure conditions are right for that horse before before running him but i think nick this is a really strong running of a race that traditionally is one of the highlights of the whole winter season. Can I just briefly touch on yeah. a little bit of needle this week? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I said on the podcast the other day, I think Gordon Elliott was completely taken out of context by trainers here. I think I know what he meant. He meant that the system in Britain means you don't have to run good horses against each other. And I don't think, I don't think he's wrong. I think he's right. But uh, the, the British trainers have bristled because I think they've kind of perceived it as a direct criticism of them, which I don't actually think it was. But... Paul Nichols is in quite a feisty mood, not just about that, about but about the the whole Grenatine versus Shishkin battle. Well, there's been a lot of bristling this season. Mm. You know, funny enough, I, I, I sat down with uh, Nicky Henderson for an interview a couple of weeks ago. Now, obviously, when you do a, one of these big long interviews, you tend to end up with about five thousand words of quotes, and you only use about one and a half thousand words in, in a three-page into three-page interview. So you can't use everything. And one of the things he actually said was, um, in the old days, there were fewer of us at the top and there's tremendous camaraderie but there still is that camaraderie we all get on really well with each other but there has been bristling this season if we take the the two things individually first of all the most recent one that was triggered by Gordon Elliott's comments now I think you're right in the sense that I think Gordon Elliott's comments if not taken out of context were maybe misunderstood I think Gordon was making the general point and he is right when he says that in Ireland the the top horses 
almost have to take each other on Because they've more. got no choice. Yeah, if, if you consider, for example, a, uh, a, three, a grade one three-mile chaser in Ireland, a Gold Cup horse in Ireland, you have the uh, race at Danroll, the champion chase there in, in November. You then go into the grade one chase at the Leopard Sand Christmas Festival. Then you have the Irish Gold Cup in, in February. And then you have the Cheltenham Gold Cup. Now, you can drop down in distance. You can look to find a, find a soft option like that. But if you want to race in the big races, you have very few options relative to over here. We had the, the Betfair Chase mm-hmm. two weekends ago at Haydock. Tomorrow at Aintree, we've got a grade two race. It's basically the same sort of race with different pattern status. And then we go into the King George. It is easier if you are a trainer in Britain to find opportunities not to race against the very best horses because you have many more opportunities to do, yeah. to do that. And that is one reason why one of the efforts that the sport has got now is to trim some of those wait for age grade two opportunities so that competition is stronger at the top. So I think Gordon in that sense probably was taken a little bit out of context. But having said that, it was good to see Paul and Nicky mount a defence yeah. of British race and yeah. say, we don't mind taking each other on. And if you look at the Tingle Creek, that is an example of that. Bristling as well this season, to an extent, and in a light-hearted enough way, but still there between Nicky and Paul. Um, on that day at Ascot, when those three horses came out of the, the big races at Ascot, Edward mm. Stone, L'Empresse and Constitution Hill, Paul, who was at Haydock um, that day, having a, having a good day there, his comments at Haydock, you could so very clearly interpret it as a him having questions about whether all these horses coming out of all these good races actually was merited or not. And Nicky responded to that the following day. Um, you know, Paul saying you don't win races with horses in boxes. Nicky the following day saying, well, you, nor do you win races with horses who are injured in boxes. So there has been a degree of bristling this season. That's not to say all these guys don't get on well with each other. Um, they do. But it's actually sometimes quite good for people like us and for fans to see a little bit of... Um, bit of competitive the, tension, yeah. Absolutely, a bit of competitive tension, yeah. And also, there is no reason why on some of these big subjects that face the sport that all the big guns necessarily will agree with each other. We all disagree. You, know, you and I will have points on which we disagree. They will have points on which they disagree. And if they express them in a, in a, a, in a polite but feisty manner, that's fine. Well, we've become accustomed every Saturday now to these big battalions firing out winner after winner. Um, one stable that has been going well, but is maybe a little less heralded than some, though I always try and redress that balance, is the stable of Anthony Honeyball, who has stable star Sam Brown out in the many clouds tomorrow at Aintree. Anthony, I was just looking at his record last night. I thought, one, he might be better than ever, and two, he's really had no mileage at all for a horse of his age, has he? What, what are you expecting? Um, yeah, I mean, it's... It's always been part of the plan. Uh, we were pleased to get that run under his belt in the Charlie Hall. Um, probably a bit more juice in the ground, which I think it will be a little bit slower at, wing, um, at Aintree. Um, plus that run under his belt. We, we sort of think this is this has always been the plan to go for a race that he actually ran in it last year and probably needed it. It was his first run of the season last season, so probably needed it a touch. But um, uh, yeah, he's sort of all geared, geared for the many clouds, and we, we, we think we go there with a, a really good chance. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're very happy with him. Yeah, a really good chance. I, 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 I'd be inclined, in, in many respects, to, to agree, even though he's a, he's a biggish price. Last couple of runs, he's posted racing post ratings in the, in the low 160s. He's always a horse you've held in, in the highest regard. Are you getting a clearer shot at the target with him now than in his younger days? Yeah, yeah. Things are a little bit touch with um, things are just a bit more straightforward now. We've got a, we've got a horse that's finally sort of realising his potential, and um, 
and he's just yeah he's finding life he's coping with life in the sort of grade two company whether we you know we weren't we were quite surprised with how he won at entry on that ground um, and that's something we've learned that um, he doesn't need he doesn't need Aidan Coleman have been saying that for quite a while really um, that he doesn't need it as soft as I think he, he does and um, and he's, he's coping with you know he's actually his form from entry went up a hell of a lot for his good win at entry on sort of good good to soft um, and he's gone up another few pounds to his run in the Charlie Horse who's come back in good form um, and he's he's up there and a very solid grade two horse at the moment um, so yeah we just you know, see he's a course and distance winner around entry and then the ground would be fine for him and say we're, we're really we're really tuned we couldn't get him any better so you just need a bit of luck in running and hopefully if he's good enough on the day and have you had a chance to think beyond tomorrow yet and, and think how you might plot your way through the rest of the season yeah, well, it's sort of always, I suppose something a lot of will depend on what happens uh, tomorrow but we sort of had races, you know, sort of depending on which way we go. We're sort of thinking entry in in the spring for him to go back there and sort of working around, work back from that. And you know, if we weren't going the way we wanted to go, but obviously still running okay, we could be in the handicap he won last year. Probably more likely if we were going handicapping, we we go for the national itself um, this time round. And if he was to win races like Many Clouds or maybe Cotswold Chase and things like that, you know, and we were really getting to the top table, then. Um, we go for the, I think it's the Betfair Bold Grade One of um, the Grade One chase at uh, Aintree. Uh, it'd be nice to have a, you know, if we thought we had a real good chance, we'd like to run him in the grade in a Grade One somewhere. Um, if we were stepping up to that that level, but um, so we're sort of working back from Aintree in the in the spring and could take in something like a Cotswold chase um, after this. Just just to, I, I suppose a lot will depend on how how tomorrow goes. Um, would you would you give him a Gold Cup entry? Not at the not at the minute, but um, just depends. Yeah, how we get on, how we, how we get on tomorrow, and um, you could take in, like you say, you could take if you were starting to think Gold Cups, things you could take in the Cotswold Chase. That'd be course experience, and then you would start thinking about making an entry. But um, we're um, we're thinking more likely our Gold Cup could be the the Grade One at entry with him. Um, but definitely wouldn't want to be. Yeah, don't want to be too negative. Like I mean, you know, just see how he gets on. Really, um, we'd, we'd obviously dream to get him up to the top table and have a chance. But um, kind of feel like entries, something at entry might be our end of season target. All right, that was Anthony Honeyball, trainer of Sam Brown, who seems pretty confident of a big run in the Many Clouds Chase. The feature race at entry tomorrow is the Beecher Chase, um, and it's a it's a good race. We, we spoke to Ollie Greenall earlier in the season, uh, earlier in the week. He uh, trains Jess Keel, who's very very short price now for for that race. Lee, is it, is it a race that, that you're interested in? Oh, absolutely, Nick, yeah. I mean, I think it's a bit like the um, the Epsom Spring meeting. It's a meeting that, that disappeared for a long time, this Beach Chase fixture. It was revived uh, in the 90s, and initially when it was, re- was revived, it didn't work particularly well. You had, I thought, a pretty miserable sight of mm. Beach Chases with seven, eight, nine runners, and races over the Grand National fences just do not look right with single-figure fields. You need to have a big field to make it work I think and since uh, the Jockey Club really pumped money into the Beecher Chase it went to 150 now 175 um, race it has been rewarded with bumper fields great to see 23 horses declared for the race this year there are a handful at the top of the weights who would already be guaranteed a run in the Grand National in most years if they wanted to go in that direction. There'll be some lower down who need big efforts 
to help their chance of getting into the race. But in, in itself, it's a really cracking contest. OK, and uh, later in the programme, you will be hearing Lee's idea of the winner of that race. Well, down here at Sandown, I've come down to the winner's enclosure and I'm chatting to the general manager here, Sarah Drabwell, who has been at Sandown for a little while, first as finance director, then acting general manager. Now everyone wants to talk to you, Sarah. I am. I've noticed an increase in my popularity, Nick, since leaving finance behind. So, <laughs> lovely to have you here today. Looking forward to Tingle Creek? Can't wait. It's always a terrific race. This is one of the great race courses, I would say, anywhere in the world, not just in the UK, in terms of a viewing experience. And whatever you do with the place, you're never going to change that. So you've got a built-in advantage. Absolutely. I have to agree with you. I do think it's the best race course in the country. And uh, this, this weekend, we're really, really looking forward to some incredible racing. And we've got a few added extras. So we've got the golf sale after racing tomorrow, mm-hmm. which is fantastic to see so many beautiful horses going under the hammer and i actually have a little request for your listeners and anyone who's coming to tingle please so we are running a gifting program here so we're really encouraging everyone who's coming to the tingle creek this weekend bring a little gift with them um a toy a selection box something that we can use to make the uh christmases of our local community just that little bit better now if you're not coming to tingle creek don't let that stop you because amazon will deliver here for the next week so you can always just go online and have it delivered directly to us that's fantastic and it's great to great to see you pushing that initiative Sarah just for those who who aren't familiar who who don't know you tell us a bit about you and racing and and how you arrived at Sandown oh well reality so I'm I'm horsey through and through so I come from a long line of uh, horse owners but but always eventing and you know just having my my personal horses um so racing was really new I come from Birdseye and Centrica prior to that so oil and gas and fish fingers so a little bit of a change um I always joke that at Birdseye we used to sell one thing 40,000 times, whereas here we sell 40,000 things once. So, um, And that couldn't be true with our beautiful horses that will be on sale tomorrow evening. And, and how have you found it since taking over in the, in the hot seat? Do you know, it's very easy as finance director to point out the flaws in what other people are doing. Mm-hmm. It's really quite stressful being in that lead seat. And it's very difficult because with so many different stakeholders, invariably we won't always get it quite right. But, you know, the team here, if you cut them in half, they say Sandown Park. So everyone here is striving to make sure that this race course is the best it can be, delivers the best experience. And um, I, I couldn't couldn't be going into this weekend with a better team of people behind me and we talk a lot about community engagement you know it's something we've, we've spoken about with relation to other race courses in the group you touched on it there with the the gifts for christmas and and what you want to do for the for the local community how aware are you that that really is where your your most important fan base comes from well sandown is really interesting as far as a jockey club race course goes or any race courses we actually under index a little bit in the local community um with our attendance now that's great it means people are willing to travel from a long way mm. to come here for but it means you've got crazy. scope you've got potential on your doorstep absolutely we've got a scope got scope and i think it's really important so this was a cutting edge grandstand back in 1972 mm. but that was a little while ago now so we're going through a program of improvement to make sure that this is a a brand fit for the the local community so um we're really 
sad we didn't manage to get the the new floor down for for this fixture but if you come to the next fixture you will see improvements galore and, and we'll be working as hard as we can through 2023 to make sure um that we're looking good for our 150th birthday party sand that's 150 years old next year is that right it's 2025 so our first race here was on the 22nd of april 1875 mm-hmm. a fixture we still have today of course in the bet 365 gold cup um so that will be our birthday party you're more than welcome to come in fact i insist that you come to our birthday party um but we will be uh we'll be making sure that we 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 look the bell of the ball well, Sarah Drabwell, the, the new general manager here at Sandown Park, and the one, the one thing I was really interested in there, Lee, was that she said that Sandown, of all the courses in the group, under-indexed on local people coming to the races. So, and she said, as she pointed out, in a way that's good because it shows people will come from a long way away to, to come racing here, but it also gives you an enormous amount of untapped potential and scope to, to, to get into. It does, yeah. I mean, of course... And Sand- you're, you're local and I'm local. Yeah, I mean, I'm 15 minutes away in Ashhead, just down the road. Um... I, I love coming here, have done for a long time now, but it is right on that London mainline. Anyone who's not been here before, the railway fences are called the railway fences because they run alongside the railway line. You can get a train from here and be in London in 20, 25 minutes, which explains why you get a big metropolitan audience here. But I can also completely understand what Sarah is saying about maybe the lack of, of local engagement. Indeed, there has been a degree of local friction um, in recent years, Standdown have advanced to uh, Elmbridge, the local council here, plans for redevelopment, which um, have not met with uh, enormous amounts of local enthusiasm. So they have a, they have a job to do there, and I think I think this is the most wonderful race yeah. course. But it does feel as though it could do with a bit of TLC. The, the building that we're in now but here... A, I mean, exactly, as Sarah was saying. She said, you know, this was cutting-edge state-of-the-art grandstand in 1972, and, and they're trying to improve it as best they can, but they are limited. Yeah, they are. Um, you know, th- th- this could do with the sort of money that was spent on, on Cheltenham with its Princess Royal stand. It's, it's a, If you had the right facility here, you would have everything, really, because... the. The natural layout of Sandown Racecourse yeah. is just fantastic. For the thing the is, you, you don't need. We're standing up here, and, and I'm looking out on. I, I don't get a view of a racecourse anywhere else in the world like this, and that's yeah. and that is no exaggeration. And if all this needs, the grandstand is situated perfectly. It just needs modernising. That's right. You're in an elevated position here anyway, and the the betting ring slopes down to the racecourse. So whereas some tracks, I was at Newbury uh, last. Friday uh, again, great racing there and tremendous facilities. Um, but the, because of the lie of the land, if you're towards the bottom of the steppings, you won't get the same view that you will get here if you're at the bottom of the steppings at Sandown because you're at an elevated position. But inside the building, it does feel old yeah. and it does feel dated. It, it's not a pretty, uh, it's not a pretty structure. It needs, it needs a sort of investment that probably isn't there at the moment. Remember when there was that talk of selling. Kempton, and there was the 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 the, the, the bargaining line, if you like, the negotiating line. Well, well, use all the, the money, money to tar this place in, up. Yeah. yeah, this place still needs tarting up. We don't want to lose Sandown, but Sandown does need a bit of tarting up. It still is a, a great place to come racing. When I was a child, you could go racing, be, be taken racing at all sorts of racecourses around the south and the southeast. But it was a treat to come to Sandown, and I'd 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 really like that still to be the case. Yeah, and it's a bit special. This place has got character. You know, there, there is. We're here on the on the eve of the Tingle Creek, there is probably no finer place to watch a steeplechase, particularly a two-mile steeplechase, than Sandown. You've got a great view of the back straight. 
we all know that this place is famous for the amazing finishes it uh, delivers, particularly in jump racing, but it's also got character away from the, the, the track itself. You know, so many race courses have tended to go for a uniform approach of sticking the winner's enclosure in the inside the paddock. Yeah, and, thankfully they resisted that here. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the rhododendron walk back to the winner's enclosure, which has got a great natural view, gives this place character. Uh, it's got a great location, albeit when the traffic's clogged up, it can be a bit of a nightmare getting in. I was stuck for five minutes at the, 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 uh, the roundabout on the way into the the high street um, just with blocked up traffic so traffic can be a problem and that is one reason as well why you know they, they would have issues here if they became much bigger because I'm not sure it can take much more in the way of traffic um, but it's a wonderful race course it's one of the jewels in British racing and it's it's just it's just asking to have a bit of um, financial love given to it it might have been a special day for you yesterday, but I bet it wasn't as special as it, it was for, for Harriet Dickin, who saddled her first winner officially with a trainer's license since taking over from her, her father, Robin, earlier in the year. They moved premises as well to Ben Pauling's old base. You've been hearing about a lot uh, from him about his new base, but he trained plenty of winners out of the old one. That's where the Dickens are now, and Harriet is with me on the show, just walking back from, I don't know, what is it, Harriet? Second lot, third lot, fourth lot? Uh, yeah, second lot, just walking back in on old Bruno for Germany. And um, tell me a little bit about yesterday and, and, and why it was so special. Yeah, it was a brilliant day. Um, the horse is owned by my partner, Dominic. Uh, he's obviously runs in the colours of my dad's racing club. Uh, he's a lovely old horse that's lost his way. Um, he has very talented horses, a young horse, and he's just never quite had things his way. Uh, he's a difficult horse to get right, but it seemed to all come together yesterday. <laughs> And you, you've taken over the licence relatively recently, but you've been involved for, for a long time. And so what, what made you take the plunge and actually take hold of the licence? Um, we've been talking about it um, in the future when I did take over. Um, and then we had to move and our, our old premises was, uh, was being sold. And we had to move and we thought, you know, uh, in for a penny, in for a pound. If we're going to have a new address, why not? change the name on the license as well it just all seemed to marry up and be the right moment um and yeah it's it's all worked out really nicely we're at an amazing location now proven facilities and the horses are running really well and and people will say god it's a crazy time to to start training or to to try and relaunch a business in in this climate but um your family's been doing this a long long time now was there ever any doubt in your mind Uh, yeah look nick there still is um it's a very hard time we all live in like the cost of everything is going up but you've just got to keep your head down and keep working and and keep doing what you know works and and hopefully that will will see us through and we haven't changed much like uh, my dad would always say when the horses aren't winning don't change everything only change one thing um and we've just tinkered a bit around a bit with their work and kept our heads down and kept working and everybody that works for me i've got a great tiny team but great team and they've all stood behind me um and yeah, they got their reward. So who have you got with you at the moment? Uh, I have got Emma Baxson, who rides out every day, and Bibby Brown, who works full time for me. They're on Galactic Power and Admiral Fit. So you've got your win under the belt. What's the plan for the next few weeks? Have you got horses that you're excited to run? Yeah, I've got a lovely four-year-old that isn't far off a bumper called Thieving Gap. Um, me and my mum bought him at sales as a three-year-old. Um, I backed him, broke him myself. Uh, he's been doing his work very, very well. He he used to be work partners with Victory Club that Dan Skelton bought from me when I had pointers and won a bumper with. 
Um, so yeah, I'd be very excited about him. He did a lovely piece of work at Southern on Tuesday. Um, actually worked with Moon over Germany. Uh, I'd be very excited about him running in the next couple of weeks. All right, Harriet, thanks so much for talking to me. Um, well done yesterday. I hope you at least had a little bit of time to, to let it sink in and celebrate. Yeah, thank you, Nick. Okay, the Racing Media Academy for 2023 was officially launched earlier this week. Its founder is Josh Appiaffi, and he joins me now. Josh, just remind us why you, you set about this project in the, in, in the first instance and, and how it went in its first year. Well, thanks, Nick. Um, yeah, year one, it was a pilot project, uh, which is always a good phrase to use with something new in our sport because it, uh, it gives it its best chance of survival, I think. Um, and I was lucky enough to bring together uh, the sort of 10 leading media organisations within our sport um, and the chief executives or programme directors of those, uh, of those organisations uh, about 18 months ago now. Uh, and said, look, I'd, I'd really need a, a, a channel to make our sport have a far more diverse face, both in front of the camera and behind the camera as well. Uh, they were all in agreement. Um, it was amazing to see when they do come together rather than perhaps battling publicly. Uh, and the first, the, the first uh, line I used when we all got on a Zoom call was, please leave your weapons at the door. Um, they were brilliant. And it, it, it basically culminated in uh, the Racing Media Academy being formed. There was uh, 10 people after an application of 188, down to 10. One week in Newmarket for an intensive course with some amazing speakers on that course. And then they all went out on placement after that, throughout the summer, should I say. Um, and I'm delighted to say seven out of 10 have now got employment uh, within our sport across a broad range of our media, ranging from uh, being the head of marketing at Pontefract Racecourse to being the new face of Coral uh, PR team to being one of the programme directors at Equine Productions. So in that respect, a, a success. Obviously, you learn from year one and, and push on into, into year two. If you, if you can get that far, you've done well already. Um, what are you hoping to bring to this, to this uh, project for 2023? Well, with the support of the Racing Foundation, it was great that they came in and they've match-funded uh, the, the media partners who have put in the, the remaining 50% for this course to run uh, in 2023. Slightly different this year. We're not running it Guineas Week. We're running it in the week that runs up to Sandown. So they get to see uh, the um, cadets that come on it will get to see uh, ITV in action at Sandown, be guests of the Jockey Club. And uh, it all culminates with watching a genius at work on the Sunday morning at Racing TV Studios. Oh, for goodness sake. I mean, you're supposed to end on a high, Josh. They'll have had all the good stuff by then. <laughs> Absolutely. But listen, it's, it's brilliant. We've added our media partners. I'm delighted to say that Nick Luck Daily um, has become one of our media partners, as well as the Jockey Club and ARC have, have put significant support behind this. Because um, the media is broad and, and large at the end of the day. They've all got social media teams, um, which means there's also that new side of that new younger side of media because there's you know we looked at it last year and we brought in tiktok into uh, actually tiktok uk into our sport in january last year um to sit down with all the marketing directors of our sport and it's amazing now that the content that's produced across new social media platforms that are specifically there for the next generation coming through and and josh i, I read an interview with you in the racing post today where you said racing will go the same way as show jumping in terms of its of its proximity to public consciousness if it's if it's not careful what exactly did you mean by that 
It means that if you talk to the next generation, and when I say the next generation, if you speak to people who are under 30 and ask them how they interact with pastimes, be it leisure pastimes, be it with, uh, with industries, be it with sport, is that they need, it needs to be reflective of society. So are we, if you walk down your high street, does racing, when you both come as a fan base and as a workforce, look the same? Because you need people to identify, to go, that person looks like me, or it, it, it sounds like me, or they have the same morals as I do, or they stand for the same things. And I'm conscious that we are... Um, we overweigh into our middle classes and white far more than perhaps other sports do. And we haven't got the Lewis Hamilton's, uh, Williams sisters, uh, Tiger Woods, the, the sort of ethnic diverse faces of our sport coming through, which is why I started the Leading the Way series a couple of years ago. And we bought, you know, making more of the likes of Ashley Wishard. Look at the amazing stuff that she did this year in terms of winning the Magnolia Cup and our own Rishi Passad and, and people like that to make more that it is an option for everybody we have racing is everyone's sport but we need to make more of that and actually get out there and get more people coming um from an ethnic minority background from a whole diverse background and just to just to add last year i went public very quickly with the amount of applications for the racing media academy was 70 30 in terms of gender split it was fantastic yesterday that women in racing went out of it because we've got to make racing an option. And I think that's it. You can't. I'm not blaming racing at all. I'm saying, can we please make a concerted effort to make racing an option for everybody? Because I don't believe it currently is. Well, you heard on yesterday's podcast from Donica Doyle, who will be submitting two horses to the Tingle Creek sale, which takes place after racing tomorrow, Saturday at Sandown Park, which is something a little more uh, unusual for Sandown Park racegoers. People at Cheltenham might be used to it, Aintree certainly, um, but so close to London, it evokes memories of the first ever um, boutique sale that, that took place at Kempton years and years ago. Uh, Bernard Condren from Goffs joins me now. Uh, Bernard, why, why did this idea come about? We know these boutique sales, these pop-up sales are, are just about everywhere. Now, what was the idea of having one just before Christmas at Sandown? Um, we felt, Nick, that there was definitely a gap in the schedule or, or a gap in the a gap in the market. Obviously, we're hoping that there is also a, a market in the gap. But we're offering essentially sixteen horses tomorrow evening after racing. It's not going to take very long to get them sold. At a normal sale at Goths, we would get through twenty eight, thirty horses in an hour. So. The, the, the sale itself will start at four o'clock and we will be in, have them sold and finished by, by about five o'clock. So the sales, as you said, Nick, those boutique sales, they really do work. Um, the back of our catalogue, we've got an advertisement. There's a picture of four horses on the back of the, the catalogue. Constitution Hill, John Bond, Honeysuckle and Ahoy Sonor. They were all sold at Goff's boutique sales either here in Britain or uh, across the water in Punchestown. So the ultimate proving ground with these sales, Nick, is not actually the point to point field in Ireland or the UK. It's actually the race course. And when we're producing the likes of Constitution Hill and John Bond, you know, we and Holly Suckle, we're pretty confident that we, we ought to keep doing that. Um, and we work very closely with our point to point trainers and owners who are essentially our vendors in this case we work very closely with the point-to-point -point community on both sides of the irish sea and they're all very commercially aware they themselves 
know exactly the sort of horse that they need to send to the sale. You spoke to Donica yesterday and, you know, Donica knows more than anyone exactly the kind of horse he needs to put in the shop window at this sort of sale um, to appeal to the owners and trainers um, on both sides of the Irish Sea. I got the sense from him that it, this particular sale, he was looking for, you know, really ready-to-run type of horses, slightly racier, perhaps ones that won't need to be stuck in a field for a year and allowed to develop. Exactly. Um, and even if you if you just dial the clock back 12 months or 18 months, when these men and women are shopping for their next um, collection of point-to-point horses, they're coming to the... They're coming to the store sales. They're coming to Doncaster in, in, in for our spring store sale. They're coming to the, the Land Rover sale at Goffs in May and June. And the process starts then. There and then, they will be trying to buy what they feel are the, you know, the slightly sharper types. It, it's 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 a sort of a, a double dichotomy, if you like, because they're trying to buy big horses, horses that are going to obviously go on and be man enough to jump fences. Um, but they're also trying to buy precocious-looking types as well. But they are wonderful horsemen and women, and they know exactly what they're doing. And, um, and we're pretty confident that the 16 horses that we have to offer tomorrow evening, um, there will be something there for everyone. All right. Thanks to all my guests today. Still chilly with Lee up here on the uh, fifth floor of the grandstand at, at Sandown Park. I always say the fifth floor, even though I don't think there are five floors. It's probably about the second floor, isn't it? Anyway, before I ask for your tip, Lee, we ought to nod finally to Honeysuckle. I spoke about her extensively to Jane Mangan yesterday. Do you see her come back at, at Fairy House as, as you were? Yes. Um, I think if it turns out to be not like that, there will be reasons for concern because she is a horse, as we said before, with Shishkin in the past. She just keeps winning. She is an astonishing racehorse and she is better than the opposition that she faces. Albeit, I, I concur with what Jane said yesterday in that the Hatton's Grace hasn't always been the platform for her most stunning performances. And it will be interesting if horses with established form over three miles really try and put it to her but I think what we all want is for Honeysuckle and Constitution Hill to go into the champion hurdle with endless ones against their name and then we get that great match yeah. yeah absolutely and like most people um, I was blown away by Constitution Hill I was very fortunate to be at Newcastle last Saturday it was one of the most enjoyable winter jumps afternoons I can remember on a race course enormous engagement with the local uh, crowd there and I think we saw an exceptional racehorse who with the best will in the world to honeysuckle if he produces his best form I think he'll beat her but my god I'd love to be at Cheltenham to watch it rightly what about this weekend and what's the best bet so the best bet, Nick, um, I am going to be here at Sandown tomorrow, but I should be watching the Beecher Chase intently, hopefully after uh, seeing John Bond deliver an impressive performance in the Grade 1 Novice Chase. I think, as I said before, it's a cracking Beecher Chase. I like the look of the Christian Williams trained five-star getaway. Um, I backed him in the Topham last season, thinking that he looked a very interesting sort for that race. Didn't perform that well on that occasion, but I'm hoping with that experience behind him, uh, and following an eye-catching reappearance run over hurdles that he can continue uh, Christian Williams' amazing run 
in staying chases over the last 12 months or so uh, and I think he could also be pretty well handicapped so for me five star getaway in the beachy chase 205 I think at Aintree tomorrow afternoon Lee thank you very much thank you very much for listening don't forget that Charlotte will be back from 9 o'clock tonight with a, a roundup of uh, all the interviews with Connections we've done this week ahead of tomorrow's racing and I'll be back with the next edition on Monday morning thanks for listening see you after the weekend bye bye You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.